Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of My Sister Made Me View It, Megan's Choice. Uh, we are covering chapters 53, 54, and 55 of The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. Have any of you contributed to the uh, Brandon Sanderson Kickstarter yet? I don't know which tier I want because I want the swag bag boxes. And I want physical copies of the books. But it's expensive. And maybe if I live my life clean and right for 14 more days, I can convince myself it'll be good to take some money out of my paycheck and throw it into that because I want those books and I want those swag boxes. <sighs> so I guess I'll update you guys the next time we post a Way of Kings. To let you know if I, uh, if I gave into it or not. Not a lot of business in the pre-roll, so I'm going to let you guys get right into the episode. Take it away, theme song. Oh my gosh, we're back. It's a Thursday, just like we promised we were going to be podcasting on. Hooray! And we are back into the Way of Kings. Uh, we sort of took the month of our birthday off. <laughs> uh, Just because idiot. both of us are September birthdays. Although Emily's birthday is technically still in the summer and no, is in the fall. I refuse to acknowledge that fact. Sorry, the equinox doesn't lie. Ugh. I'm a Libra fall cool person and you are a summer whatever your astrology sign is, hot person. Virgo. <laughs> I'm a Virgo. <laughs> You're a Virgo? Okay. <laughs> Virgo. Virgo. So, yesterday, you guys, yesterday, I did a fancy photo shoot. Oh, I'm so like excited to see these photos. An extravagant fancy photo shoot um, with this uh, this artist. His name is Chris. His social media accounts is an ethereal fire, and he specializes in photographing people in costume and then editing the photos so they are a part of classical paintings. And we did an Alphonse Mucha-inspired shoot. I spent all this time making a dress, and the dress looked fine on the mannequin. But then when I tried to wear it on my body, it was, like, gross. So I had to dig through my closet and grab some Ren Faire leftovers Aww. and fancify up a headdress. Listen, it was last minute, but it ended up being great because my original outfit was really light and, like, really pale. And this... Ren Faire, it's basically the underdress that I get to put underneath, like, corsets or fancy lace-up whatevers. Mm -hmm. um, but this dress is, like, a light mulberry is how i describe it. Anyway, the, the long and the short of this is just the raw photos looked so cool. Oh. Like, even without the backgrounds. And I have... I am so excited to see the edited versions. I am so excited, Megan. I am so excited. You are very photogenic. I am. And Chris was like, you have a great jawline. And I was like, oh, you. You're just saying that to make me smile for a picture. <laughs> Which is what a good photographer does. They, they compliment you and make you feel chill about doing it. But um, 
Near the end, we even did some artsy fartsy photos where I'm got some artfully placed cloth and flowers, <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> oh, maybe won't maybe won't share those on the gram, <laughs> but. I just I had a blast. We're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna commission him again because that was fun. And that was off topic for everything. I was just really excited about it. Let's jump into the Way of Kings. Hey everybody, welcome to my sister made me view it reading Brandon Sanderson's The Way of Kings. I've read it a million times and it's Emily's first go through. My name is Megan and I should be writing a season outline right now. My name is Emily, and I should be working on my book. But instead, we're doing a podcast. We're doing a podcast. It has been a minute since our podcast. Emily and I took the month of her birthday off. Oh, that's why I was talking about the photo shoot. I gifted myself that photo shoot for a birthday present. Um, Guess what I gifted myself for my birthday? Are you going to guess? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> A new vacuum. <laughs> Ooh! Oh, right. I think yours is more you got- fun than mine, but I really love my new <laughs> vacuum. <laughs> Listen, now you have to take sexy photos with your vacuum. Um, it has been a minute yeah in fact when emily messaged me being like hey what chapters are we reading i was like i honestly don't know so i guessed i gave you my best guess of chapters and so i decided it was 53 54 and 55 because i was pretty sure we did the interludes and one dalinar chapter does that sound right for our last record yeah you love dalinar and Heaven forbid we go a session without talking about Dalinar. Hey, Emily Ann, yes, we did Emily. not see him for all of part three. I know. I'm giving you a hard time. So we read chapter 53, Dunny, chapter 54, Giblitish, and chapter 55, An Emerald Brome. Uh, Emily, general impression of these chapters. I, you're going to hate this. I was very disappointed in one of the plot points i was extremely disappointed in chapter 54 Uh, i don't know if you want me to say why now or if you want me to wait until we get to that point listen you can you can start start us off with something spicy because these are i'm not gonna say that nothing happens in these chapters but these are very much like snapshot moments instead of big book arc so yeah emily give us your spicy take on chapter 54 wit reveals that his name is hoyd (laughs) (laughs) and i felt very betrayed like he had betrayed me personally i don't know why i'm so angry that he said his name but i was like no i'm only supposed to know that don't tell dalinar his name is hoyd he doesn't care. He doesn't know the significance of this. What are you doing? I was okay, mad. so Emily, I have a, I have a poll for you. Okay. Now I know it was a great laugh for both of us when I 
made fun of you for how badly I had described Hoyd. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm wondering, would you have rathered, I waited for you to find out till this moment, or did you enjoy the foreknowledge? I enjoyed the foreknowledge. I thought that was really fun. I do, because I feel like you would have missed out on my reaction had I been reading and been like, (gasps) it's this guy! And so I'm glad we got to share that together live. I'm so happy that Fancy Black happened live (laughs) on air for our listeners to hear. I don't know why I was so upset about him revealing his name, but I'm still upset about that. Well, I'm sure there will be other reveals in the book that will be more of a shock. Okay. Okay. Well, Meg, we only have like 200 pages left, so are you sure? Are you familiar with the concept of the Brandon Avalanche? No. So you've read a you've read a few Cosmere books before. Mm-hmm. The Brandon Avalanche is the particular style marker of Brandon Sanderson, where things happen, but at a pretty consistent pace through the whole book, mm-hmm. and then we get to the final deluge Mm -hmm. and everything happens all the time extremely (laughs) loud okay that makes sense because like i remember elantris being that way of like it's kind of a slower (laughs) elantris is my favorite brandon avalanche and i know some people that it's not to their taste to have such a huge climactic final whatever Mm -hmm. Uh, finish what you were saying about Elantris, and then I'll say what I was going to say. Oh, just that it's it's kind of a slow-moving book, almost a little too slow for me, but I distinctly remember. So what I like to do is when I read a book is I'll read it, read it, read it, love it, love it, love it, put it away for a few years, a couple years, so when I come back, it's less fresh, and I can read and be like, oh, I forgot about this. Oh, I forgot about this. Elantris, the twist at the end, I have never forgotten it, ever. Mm-hmm. And it just made a huge impression on me of just like, whoa so so a beef i have with show endings i don't like Mm -hmm. or movies Mm -hmm. um that it's character building stuff through act one and two and then action only for act three Mm -hmm. with like a little period on the end for happy ending or you know tragic ending depending on whatever depending on your and what i love about yeah (laughs) what i love about the brandon avalanche is it's usually character-driven action mm-hmm. with plot twists, revelations, or what do, you, what do you call it? Epiphanies. Okay, yeah. Revelations, plot twists, or character epiphanies that pay off all the threads he used in the first four-fifths of the book. Yeah. And, Emily, I think you'll enjoy the Brandon Avalanche for this book. Okay. Okay, I guess. I'm sure I will. (laughs) Ted liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Oh, my gosh. Sidebar. So our friend Ted is reading this book. Uh, Well, now he's on Words of Radiance. He started it when we started our podcast. Thanks, Ted. Oh, yeah. Thank you for giving me enough reviews to win the contest for my birthday. Megan did win the contest, you guys. I owe her dinner. Yeah. Um, but he is now in Words of Radiance and there's this very is that particular book two? Is that book yeah, two? Yeah, that's book two. Okay, thank you. There's this very particular scene 
And I'm going to do it without spoilers for Emily. Thank you. But let's say involves at least four people. <laughs> so this scene involves at least four people. Which is surprising because we only expected it to involve at least two people. <laughs> and so Ted is like, oh, hey, I read this such and so plot point about a cape. And I was like, oh, oh, man, there's a scene that comes after that that's got four people in it. That's not exactly what I said, but you guys, I'm talking in code. And he was like, wow, you remember chapter by chapter what happens in this book? And I was like... No, I just really like the scene with four people. (laughs) Uh, And then he stopped messaging me for about 30 minutes. And I was like, oh, no, he's put the book down. No, he didn't. He messaged me again with like 12 lines in all caps being like, ah, four people. (laughs) And I was like, I know. Okay. (laughs) The end. Uh, Let's get back to this book, please. So, Emily, on the scale of how is Kaladin's day going, how does the Dunny chapter rank? Listen, I'm going to be super honest. As soon as I opened it up and the name of the chapter was Dunny, I just went, eh, Dunny's going to die. And that was it. I'm just like, whatever. Let's move on and go on. I I guess, I guess now, I I guess he's a, I guess he's Dunny for. Don't. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I forgot the epigraph. Real fast. Okay. He must pick it up. The fallen title, the tower, the crown, and the spear. Dated Vevahawk, 1173, eight seconds pre-death. Subject, a prostitute. Background unknown. So we're in part four, and the epigraphs have switched back to the the same kind that they were in part one. Mm Mm-hmm. So we've had the death word epigraphs in part one, the the excerpts from Yasna's notebook in part two, and then a mysterious letter, mm-hmm. probably, in part three. And now we're back to the death quotes for part four. Emily, you're a little deeper into the book now. What do you think these death quotes are? Um. So my initial guess I believe was that they were prophecies and that when people died they became like super in tune to uh like the vibrations of the earth but I don't know why that would make them prophesy Mm -hmm. but I believe this is probably this is like a prophecy of either the next ruler that's coming or you know what needs to happen before I don't I'm guessing the heralds are going to come back someone's going to make a comeback but things have to happen before that's allowed to happen because this sounds like someone's has to do something a very specific something not just like anybody i feel like this is very specific i'm gonna guess it's either about dalinar or kaladin all right and my next question is who is collecting and dating these entries i initially was gonna guess hoid but i'm 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 thinking Yasna also might have a hand in it. Okay, here we go. Time to learn a little bit more about Parshendi. Yes. Oh, okay. Here's here's the thing. Here's the question. Me, 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 me. Um, uh-huh. So 
the it starts off in the middle of the battle and Kaladin is is looking at these Parshendi archers because they're the ones that the bridgemen have to worry about. Uh, they're the ones that aim for the bridgemen. The bridgemen are there to be bait so that the Parshendi uh, archers will not kill the actual soldiers, the Alethi Aleth- soldiers. Um, and it talks about that they they sing while they shoot. And Kaladin hated the Parshendi as much as he hated Sadius and Amaram. How could they sing while they killed? And this mm. made me think of something earlier on, and I should have looked it up, but when I believe Gavilar meets the Parshendi for the first time, something about music is mentioned. Something about drums or something. Uh, the Parshendi that they meet ask about the Parshman slaves that the Alethi have brought with them. Mm-hmm. And the Parshendi that they meet ask Gavilar, where are their songs? Where That's is right. their music? Yeah. I am going to guess that is going to be a big religious uh, thing for them or even just a part of their everyday lives. I don't know if they sing in order to communicate, but I feel that music is is something that is just second nature to them. And I want to meet them. I think that sounds very cool. All right. But um, yes, these these archers... Um, they're, they're aiming at the Bridgman and, um, Kaladin like yells out like defiantly and the arrows that are coming at him, like veer it, to me, it looked like they veered off course, like split down the middle and veered off course. And that was a weird enough thing that the Parshendi archers are like, like they stop singing and they're just like, what just happened? Like, Something happened. Hey, uh, Emily. Yes. Where have we seen something like that before? I don't know. Well, guess we'll find out later. No! Don't punish my brain for being stupid. Okay, remember the last time this happened? And I said, where have we seen something like that before? And you said, tell me. And then I said, no. And you freaked out. And I hit you. This is, yeah, and you hit me. This is literally the exact same thing. This is what I was referencing last time. <laughs> Dang it. So if you still haven't remembered by now, I'm not going to point it out to you. <laughs> Listen, this one's cool enough that I'm not going to hoid reveal it. Okay. I really want you to figure this one out. Okay. Okay. I will. I don't know how I'll do it, but I will try. So listen, guys, Dunny dies. And I'm sorry that I am a heartless monster, but I didn't care. Well, I have a little thing that could make you care. Okay. Why? What color of arrow? What color of arrow is in the fletching that kills Dunny? It's white and green. Hey, Emily, what are Sadius's uh, army colors? It's red. No, that's the color of his armor. That's not the color that his soldiers wear. Oh, since when? <laughs> Uh, okay, do you remember back in the marketplace where Kaladin sees Adolin help a woman? Yes. He recognizes that the Colin soldiers are in blue. Yes. But the Sadius soldiers are in green. Oh. Dunny was not killed by a Parshendi arrow. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, I Dunny was killed it. by... <laughs> Dunny, do you care now? <laughs> I, okay, I would care more if it was on purpose. 
Oh, uh, yeah. It, it just seems like friendly fire. Yeah, yeah. But listen, guys, I have to protect my heart somehow because when characters die in books, you that have I me love, for a sister. <laughs> it affects me so deeply. And there are so many people that Kaladin loves now that I can't allow myself to get drawn into this. So my heart has been locked away and I don't care about any of them. Uh, little point, little point of clarity. Sorry. Dunny at first stumbles with a white and green soul, uh, arrow hitting him from one side and then a black Parshendi arrow catches him from the other side. Right. And, and then the army tramples the, him. Just how the bridgemen are caught up between both sides of this conflict. <gasps> so is Dunny killed by both sides of this conflict. Aww. But as a... In the eyes of this culture, worthless bridgeman, he is merely trampled over by the people he carried to get here. Listen, I think that is beautiful storytelling. Way to go, Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> I, I love, see, I love that sort of thing where I'm just like, oh, it means something. I just, I just. <sighs> and uh, Kaladin's going to dive in front of the horses to help him. Who gets Kaladin out of the way? Okay, funny story. I thought it was Rock. <laughs> I thought it was rock because uh-huh. I'm just skimming this, trying to be like, okay, let's let's. It's very sad. Yes, yes, yes. Let's get to a, the better part. And as I'm I'm reading along, and I get to later in the in the chapter where Kaladin's talking to Moash, and I'm just like stupid Moash, and <laughs> and I was gonna kind of skip Moash, <laughs> and Kaladin, like Moash expects, I think Kaladin to be angry at him because. Moash like does this fancy flip thing to like save Kaladin, something that Kaladin had kind of taught everybody. Um, but it took me, I had to go back and reread that thing a few times because I'm like, no, Rock saved him. Why is, why is Kaladin and Moash? And then I like, I almost threw the book across the room. I'm like, Moash was the one to save Kaladin? Moash was the one? <laughs> Listen, I have complex feelings about Moash, mm-hmm. and they're not as negative as the general consensus okay. may be. Okay. Now listen, I'm no Moash apologist. I still think he's a lot of a dirtbag. But, uh, <laughs> compels me, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming I'll get that later. Man, I am mostly untethered when it comes to Moash. <laughs> I don't like not knowing inside jokes. <laughs> well, then we better keep reading, I guess. Um, so I really, okay, all honesty, I really loved these chapters that we read because we got so many little tiny details that now that I know more about the world mean so much more like we know how bridge crew are treated we know what that they're bait we know all these terrible things about them but to see Kaladin raise up rise up separate himself from what he's supposed to be versus what he wants to be I thought was so noble and like inspiring because at one point 
like he he observes the battle. He's always taking opportunities to learn. So he's watching the battle, watching the way the men fight. He's trying to like learn everything he can. And he's looking around, you know, yes, they lost Dunny, but he's looking around at all the other bridgemen who are basically where he was mm-hmm. a few months ago, where they're all laying on the ground, just like winded and just like so exhausted. And and Kaladin's like, I, I'm barely out of breath. I mean, they've been practicing. And he goes, he's hoping that Sadius and Gaz don't notice that these guys, when they run the bridge, he's instructed them to kind of zigzag and kind of like make themselves to be a really tough target like he's he's kind of digging it in every chance he gets um and he realizes that he says he knew there were rumors about him because of the storm no doubt he was adding to them so he's like making himself a bit of a legend he's he doesn't do it to boast he just he wants himself and his men to survive He's not doing it for glory. He's doing it because it's a necessary part of life. And what is life without hope? And this, oh, this might be my favorite Kaladin chapter ever. Because he sees all these other wounded men that no one, I think Bridge 4 is the only bridge that like picks up the wounded and takes care of them. Nobody else does that to any of their bridges, their their bridgemen Mm -hmm. compadres. Um, and Kaladin sees these people who are wounded and he can't not do anything. And so he like orders people to go gather them and pick them up. And all of his men are like, we don't really have the supplies to do this. We don't really have the money to do this. We don't really have the resources to do this. And Kaladin's like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care! (laughs) Basically... Then it is forfeit. (laughs) Basically, if his men aren't going to help him, he's going to go do it himself. And he's like, I will find a way to make this happen. Like, he has kind of staked his entire... I'm going to say well-being. That's not exactly the word I want to use, but this is like his identity. Is he realizes he wants to be like his father, the surgeon who helped people who hated him because that's one of the reasons the men give him is these guys hate us. Everybody hates each other. And Kaladin like gives this rousing speech about how he's going to be like the best man he ever knew who was a surgeon who treated people even though they hated him and what a good man he was. And like, none of you can stop me from doing this. And his men are like, okay, boss, here we go. Boss. (laughs) And the men are so grateful that he has helped. And I don't, okay, sorry, you're getting a lot of this. So in the, in a, in one of the next no. chapters, we find out how, huh? what? Nothing. I'm, I'm excited. This is fun. <laughs> in a, in a, Did you know when I let you talk that you give really good contributions <laughs> to the podcast? Um, in a future chapter we're going to get to in a minute, we see a lot of political machinations happening and a lot of sneaky behind the scenes chess pieces moving so that other people can get ahead and get what they want. Kaladin is not doing this to get anything. He is doing this because it is right. And I love him. I love him. There, I said it. Uh, previously on My Sister Made Me View It, The Way of Kings. <laughs> Megan, ask me why I 
don't love Kaladin. Ha <laughs> 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 ha. We got him, boys. <laughs> you did. It's fine. So. Oh, uh, Teft is talking about the, he like is checking with Kaladin. Hey, you have those spheres on you, right? And Kaladin's like, yeah, I don't know what's wrong with them. They keep going done. And he's like, and it's not just me. It's other people on our team. And I'm wondering if whatever Kaladin is doing is spreading to the other people. If like, it's like, like a force field that he's extending sort of a thing so that they are also taking in Stormlight. Or if he is mm -hmm. taking in their spheres Stormlight. I'm very intrigued to see how this is going to go because Teft knows that's what's happening, but he doesn't want to tell Kaladin that's what's happening. And so every time Kaladin starts like hypothesizing about it, Teft is just like, get back to work. What were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so Teft obviously saw this while Kaladin was healing from his little stint in the high storm. Mm -hmm. um, but Emily, Teft sees Kaladin heal himself in this chapter. Yes. Yes, he does. Because Kaladin got sliced by an arrow and he knows it. And he goes up later to wipe to wipe the blood away. And he freezes as he's touching his face because there is no scar. There's no cut. There's no nothing that was there. Dun, dun, dun. Still has the brands on his forehead, though. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I wonder mm -hmm. if he can't heal old things because Moash it says there's a faded scar along his chin and so if his uh -huh. men are also benefiting from this I would imagine that it doesn't work on old wounds <laughs> benefiting <laughs> men who benefit yeah. um, something one last thing I want to point out in this chapter that I love is bridge four is helping with the field first aid yeah where, like, clearly Kaladin's the, the lead doctor, but the men are pitching in to help. And if you remember, the very first time he tried to rescue someone from Bridge 4, like, only Rock helped. Yeah. And now the whole team is helping with the, the first aid efforts on the field. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love the feeling of camaraderie. And here's mm. what I'm worried about, Megan. This is me okay. pre-worrying that there's going to be some kind of massacre and everyone's going to die but Kaladin and probably oh, Rock yikes. and Moash. You mean you mean how like uh that's happened to Kaladin yes. literally every other time in his yes! life? Yes, and I don't I can't. I'm not wow, reading that chapter be... and I'm not reading Tian's death. I will not. That sure that sure would be a hard thing for Kaladin I to go through again. Refuse. Wow, I... I sure hope that his friends are all okay. Refuse. No, I will not. I will not. <laughs> but like, we don't read the books together. So if something like this did happen, are you just going to message me and be like, podcast over? <laughs> I'm just going to message you and say, you have to tell me what happens. Okay. Uh, sidebar. I was, uh, so I'm reading this book to our other sister, Mikkel, over the phone. You guys are going to catch and up before I even get to the end of the book, the way you guys are reading it, by the I way. I really, no, I really don't think we are. <laughs> anyway, so I I generally give content warnings on mental health stuff. Mm -hmm. 
but then we got to uh, non Balat's chapter, yeah. and I started reading the crab descriptions, oh, yeah. and Mikhail's like, whoa, 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 why was there no content warning on that? And I was like, oh, sorry, I just think of them as, like, bugs, and so I read another sentence, and she's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, we skip these descriptions. And so I would just, I would read for a while, and then I'd be like, Three sentences about crab torturing. Okay, here we go. Two paragraphs about crab torturing. Oh, we are skipping a half. There's a lot more crab torture in this uh, chapter than I remember. Oh, not great. Not great. Yeah, non-balot. I'm going to meet you again too soon. All right. Uh, chapter 54, Giblitish. The burdens of nine become mine. Why must I carry the madness of them all? Oh, almighty, release me. Dated Palahisis 1173, unknown seconds pre-death. Subject, a wealthy light eyes, sample collected second hand. Hey, uh, uh, haven't we heard about somebody who had nine friends dump all their problems on him? <laughs> I do seem to recall that that did happen. What was his name? Something like Talcum Powder or... <laughs> I thought it was Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was uh, Adam Winchester. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's right. No, because there was Captain America, Tony Stark, and Adam Winchester. Uh, no, you had unknown face, Tony Stark and Adam Winchester. Oh, okay. Maybe. You, uh, you decided that Adolin is Captain America. That's right. Adorable, adorable Adolin, who I love so much. That's Aleph Carr's hee-haw. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Technically, though, I think Alethkar's belongs to his father. <laughs> Put that on Dalinar's butt watch. <laughs> I will. Oh, speaking of Dalinar, he has a very hard <laughs> life, Megan. He has a very hard life. Nobody uh, will rough. wear their freaking colors. <laughs> I know. How are you supposed to remember that Sadius's army wears red and green? Right. I mean, red and white. I mean, green and white. Good. Goodness. <laughs> it's Christmas time. Christmas time is here. Well, technically it is because Sadius has the red armor, which makes him like evil father Christmas. <laughs> That's where I got the red. Because I'm like, <laughs> I, yeah. 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 So Sadius has painted his plate to be red. To be red. And he has like a reddish, ruddy complexion. Oh my gosh. Is Sadius evil Santa? I say yes. Okay. There he is. Evil Santa. Evil Santa. He knows if you've been bad or good, and he punishes all the good ones. (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, Dalinar wore a thick winter coat. Over his trousers and shirt. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to talk about Roshar weather. Something about winter so, only being like eight weeks or something like that. Yeah. So Brandon has given a word of Brandon about this. Okay. Um, that our world that we live in, our seasons are dependent on the axial tilt, right? And the rotation of the earth and like distance from the sun, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but on Roshar, it's the pattern of the storms that determine the seasons. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that this book was originally written in their language and translated into ours so we could read it. Oh, that's cool. And so think of this, yeah, so think of this not as, oh, they have weird and wild seasons that happen at any time and they happen at regular clockwork intervals during the year, but like winter for us is the season where it's very cold Mm -hmm. so when there's like a lull in the storms and a cold front comes through and there's no planting and there's no growing technically that's winter but winter doesn't come at the same time every year but it does come at a regular time within the storm cycles and hey when it's time to plant things and they sprout that's that's their word for spring okay so there you go that's very cool winter spring Summer and fall. All right. Uh, but we're at a feast. Dalinar doesn't like wearing skirts, which is honestly a shame. I think he would look great. Um, sorry, a Takaba, which is a distant clothing cousin to the Hakama, which is what the Soul Reapers in Bleach wear. And so, what? Uh, tell me about uh, the setup at the feast. So, uh... Here is something that I found interesting. There's not a lot of people in attendance that night, you know, which is, mm-hmm. I guess, I guess attendance wanes and grows depending on who's going to be there and that sort of thing. Um, Wit is mm-hmm. initially not there and Dalinar doesn't, like, he doesn't think much of it. He's just like, oh, he's trying to keep us all on our toes. You know, he doesn't want to be predictable. But I love this part. Um all nine other high princes were in attendance. Their treatment of Dalinar had grown stiff and cold since refusing his request to fight together, as if they were offended by the mere offer. Lesser light eyes made alliances, but the high princes were like kings themselves. Other high princes were rivals to be kept at arm's length. I found that so... I don't know why that in particular struck me as, like, so important, but... Dalinar kind of knew it was going to be impossible to connect them, to unite them. But now we're seeing exactly why. Because I'm just like, why would everyone say no? Because I feel like if you said yes to Dalinar, who is a blood relation to the king, you would have like more of an in with the royal circle. Mm -hmm. But this is making more sense to me is that politically and culturally, the high princes are supposed to be like an island unto themselves. And if you ask for help, that's a sign of weakness. If you band together, that's a sign of weakness, not strength. I thought that was a really cool cultural thing for the Alethkar. Alethi, yeah. whatever. Yeah. No, no, you're, you're, yeah, you got it. I loved the idea of art duels. Oh, I did write that, that there's down. women. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's women were known to challenge each other to duels in the same way of men with shard blades, those they rarely used that word. They were always friendly competitions or games of talent. I would like to see more of that because we've seen Shalon and her sketching, which is incredible. And it's incredible enough that people make note of it, that she's very good. But I wonder how good other people are at this art thing. Like, if it's their calling, mm-hmm. I want to know what kind of level. Like, is Shalon a master artist? Or is she just, is it her memory that makes her a good artist? Like, I want to learn more. I want to know. Can you show me? Choo, choo. 
but yeah, these are these this is these are approved feminine pursuits. Uh, hey, what is what is Dalinar eating for dinner? He eats. For he eats. It sounds like potatoes and gravy. A a yeah. brownish tuber, atop uh, a bed of like potatoes and grain and gravy and yeah, it's a hearty. It's a hearty meal. Uh, what's the name of this particular potato? It is called Stagm. S T A G M. Stag M. I just like it. Stagm. Stagm. <laughs> <laughs> and he's sitting there trying to eat in silence because Navani is there and she like looks at him and very pointedly like kind of turns away. Like she's still really, really upset about their last conversation because he had abruptly dismissed her and he's eating and then wit shows up uh in like a black cloak and uh, is it fancy black fancy black and uh he basically tells dalinar hey i'm gonna go but here's some stuff you need to know and i'm like this I was really upset that I finally figured out who he was and I enjoyed him reading about him so much. And now he's going to leave and who knows when I'm going to see him next. And I'm just... Uh, different Cosmere book, I guess. No, I want this one. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, we'll see. we'll see what I can do about that, but no promises. He says a word, Megan, that you asked me if I knew what it was when we did our intro our intro episode. Oh, did he? Yes. He says, um, he says, Adenalsium. Dalinar frowned more deeply. What? Mm-hmm. Wit searched his face. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard the term, Dalinar? Ado, what? So I don't know if that's like a code word or if like Wit time travels and he's at the wrong time and he's trying to figure out if Dalinar, if he's in like the right, the right timeline because... That to me just seems like a code word that means something. I wonder if you could do that to a man. Pull him apart, emotion by emotion, bit by bit, bloody chunk by bloody chunk. Then combine them back together into something else, like a Dysian Imian. If you do put a man together like that, Dalinar, be sure to name him gibberish after me. Or perhaps giblitish. Is that your name? Your real name? No, my friend. No. And then he tells him his name is Hoyd. So angry about this. <laughs> Farewell. I'm sorry I didn't insult you more. <laughs> he's like, please apologize to the king. And Dalinar's like, he's not going to be happy. And Wit's like, I know. He paid me. Uh, and he let me eat his expensive food. And he'd let me make fun of his friends. And then he says, the Cosmere unfortunately takes precedence over free food. So I'm like, this oh, is hey. like the what? This is, I know the Cosmere. I'm like, this is like Mary Poppins, where everything is great, and then she just leaves. I hate it. I hate it. I so was, much. Uh, I was actually, uh, I was actually gonna compare him to Nick Fury. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that would work too. But you're right. He does have a very. Uh, I guess Mary Poppins is a is Mary more Poppins is. <laughs> but he tells Dalinar that Sadius is planning something, and Dalinar immediately goes on high alert of like, oh no, oh no, 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 <laughs> and so he starts making. Oh no, 
<laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. So he starts making plans and preparations, and he, like, sends people out to bring more of his guards in. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, he's expecting something to go down, not just, like, a, not just like volleys <laughs> across time. the wall. Like, something's going to happen. Um, yeah, it's not great. So they're, they're kind of, like, moving these people into position, and Dalinar's just, like, forget this i'm i'm not going to like let it happen i'm going to um what's the word i'm going to make it happen i'm gonna instigate it i'm gonna instigate it um and he's as he not if i shoot you first (laughs) (laughs) so this is the political part i was talking about earlier where as he's kind of making his way to the king he runs into another high prince who is entertaining like a foreigner and as they talk, they're having this conversation about, because there's an ardent there. There's the high prince, um, Hetham. A Hetham. quick, a quick, quick cut in before we get too deep into this. Yes. Can you describe what the uh, man from Natanaton looks like? Yes. It says he has bluish skin and stark white hair, two locks dyed a deep red and braided down to hang alongside his cheeks. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Keep going. And I feel like this part is important, but I, I don't think I quite understand it enough. But they're t- he's talking uh-huh. about a political, th- a war, a potential war that's happening in another country and how, like, one, the, the people that are living there already claim it as their own and their religious base, but another one is claiming it as theirs and the guy's like it's because they have a really good port and they both have really good claims on it but who's going to get it and um dalinar i won't say sticks his foot in his mouth but he's just like dalinar's like does it even matter like what's the point of it it's just another war if they weren't fighting one another they'd find others to attack it's what we do vengeance honor riches religions all reasons just produce the same result and things get real awkward there because as we all know the alethi way of life is honor and vengeance and fighting and riches so Dalinar's kind and of religion and religion. So Dalinar has just basically like barfed all over their way of life. And <laughs> Hatham is very politically savvy and gives him an out by saying like, oh, well, you follow this order. And they do hate arguing over religion. I'm sorry that you find this so boring and kind of gives him a polite way out rather than outright just like shunning him for being so rude. Um, which I found was very interesting. Hey. Yes. Hey. Yes. Hey. Yes. What? What order does Dalinar follow? Ta- <gasps> Talenalat. Talenalat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, who's who is that? It's the guy from the beginning. It's Tom. It's Tom. That's yeah. So so that's the herald that his devotary is under. Some guy named Tiern. <laughs> some guy named um so yeah um well if dalinar is being considered rude the ardent with there takes that like eight steps further and offends the visiting dignitary so much that he like 
basically about faces and leaves. And so the the high prince Hatham like rushes after him is just like, oh, please, please ignore him. Oh, my gosh. And he's fawning over him. And um, Dalinar is just like, that was not a smart move at all. <laughs> and the ardent is just like, guess what? I belong to Bright Lord Hatham and he asked me to do that. And then he explains to Dalinar all this political like uh, fancy footwork was so that Hatham could get something he wanted from this guy without the guy being suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't, Don't be, be suspicious. suspicious. And I was like, I love this. I love political stuff. I I love the people whose brains work eight steps ahead of other people because that is what's happening here. Um, let's see. He says, Bright Lord Hatham wants uh, Aknuk to think he is shamed. Now, when Hatham agrees quickly to Aknuk's demands, the foreigner will assume it was because of this and won't delay the contract signing out of suspicious that it is proceeding too easily. I loved it. I loved it. I love me a good political move. And also something that's very interesting because Ardent goes on to say, I also, because he's explaining, you know, all this stuff, which technically he's not supposed to do. He's not supposed to be, uh, the Ardents aren't supposed to like be involved with anything like that, especially because of the, the hierocracy. Um, is that the right word? It is the right word. Thank you. Look at you. Look at me remembering all these stuff. <laughs> big fantasy words. Uh, <laughs> hey, sidebar, I was very impressed you remembered I asked you what adenalcium was. Oh, thank you. See, I remember some things. And so uh, the Ardent drops some hints to Dalinar that he is on Dalinar's side and that there are other people on Dalinar's side. Dalinar is a little spooked by this, I think. Maybe not spooked, but I don't think it's something he considered because he has only been focusing on the High Princes. And the idea that the High Princes' underlings would be on Dalinar's side is just like something outside his realm of possibility that he he thought of. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. I'm so happy you're enjoying this. Book. I am enjoying it. It's very good. You're right. I was less right. <laughs> it only took three years and the promise to create five other podcasts, <laughs> but I've done it. <laughs> I drive a hard bargain. <laughs> oh, sidebar Meg, one day we're going to need to tell people that our family loves Megamind so much and that our parents met the director of Megamind that didn't know it. No, the producer. The producer. I still think that'd be funny. Um, job. Okay. Uh, I think what we should talk about is our um, Marvel podcast that will now never happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because now I work for Marvel. <laughs> I'm so happy you're working for Marvel. But I am crushed oh, we can't do our Marvel podcast because I bragged about it in our other podcast. <laughs> I'm just like, Megan's going to do the Marvel podcast with me. And now you work for them. And I get why we well, can't listen, do it. But I just. Maybe. Maybe I'll just stay on for this one show. And then when I leave, maybe we could do a Marvel podcast. Okay. Ending with the show I worked on. <laughs> 
Okay. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yes. Congratulations. I hope you guys congratulate Megan on her new job. She's very cool. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) The show I'm on now, I'll do a good job. And then I'll get to do some other shows there. Yeah. Heck, maybe I'll get to run a show there. Yeah. Who knows? The future is infinite. (laughs) (laughs) Megan, two hours ago. Should I quit animation and just write books? <laughs> and then I just froze like, no, I'm, I'm feeling career envy tonight because some cool people I follow on Twitter, uh, one of them announced that he is writing a Star Wars prequel novel officially about uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan. And Ooh. I'm so excited for him. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Hey, what's Sadie's plan? Okay, so we remember Dalinar's like, I'm not going to sit around and let this happen. He goes up and forces the conversation to happen earlier. Like, Sadius is there to announce something about the, if you guys remember the saddle strap and how, like, fixated Elokar is on this thing and who did this and who tried to kill me and blah, 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 blah. And Dalinar is convinced that Sadius is going to pin it on him because he couldn't figure out who had done it. And so he is just knows Sadius is going to blame this on Dalinar. And Dalinar is actually thinking through all the ramifications of what would happen. Alethkar would fall. And that's not him being like, I'm so important without me. Everything's going to just, you know, go to pot. But um, here, I'm going to, it's a little further ahead. Um, but let's see. Okay, no, no, no. I, I'm in the right spot. Because he's like, Sadie's is like, oh, well, if you want to talk about it now, I guess we can. I was going to just talk to the king, but if you want an audience, sure. And I'm just like bracing for the worst because, like I said, Dalinar is fully convinced uh, Sadius is going to accuse him of trying to um, assassinate Elokar. And it says, it would indeed be the end of Alethkar. Dalinar would not go quietly and the war camps would turn against one another. The nervous peace that had held them together for the last decade would come to an end. Elokar would never be able to hold them together. And I don't think Dalinar is being conceited here in the least, the least bit. He really is the glue that is holding everything together. Yeah. And I think, I think, I can't even say that comes from being the king's brother, you know, Gavilar, this great man who did unite everyone. But we know that Dalinar doesn't think Elokar can keep everyone together. He can't. Dalinar's the only one who's kind of keeping everyone in line. And just watching all the political, you know, stuff that had just happened, he has to be thinking ahead politically what this will mean and what this will do to the country and that would be so stressful to be like when i go my country that i love is toast like what are you supposed to do about that live forever (laughs) i shall simply deny you the crown live forever (laughs) good i don't want it uh but elokar likes being king do you think dalinar would be a better king than elokar though yes only because he has the bigger political clout i don't think he would like it but i think he would be a better king all right quick beat by beat of the 
fruits of Sadius's investigation. All right. Yes, the saddle strap was cut. However, the saddle that the horse was wearing was not the saddle that Dalinar's men put on the horse. When they delivered the saddled-up horse to the king's camp, someone in the king's camp put a different saddle on the horse, the one with the cut strap. And normally this wouldn't be a concern for a shard bearer to fall off the horse, but Emily, what was up with Elokar's armor that day? That eight out of the ten like pieces of the storm light. Okay, tell me if I get this wrong. I'm so sorry. Um, so there's 10 sapphires on the shard plate. Eight of them were cracked. Mm-hmm. And remind me, yeah. did that happen before he put that on? Or was that part of the, is that throughout the course of the day that happened? Yeah, so there are eight cracked after the battle, basically by the time he comes back. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, obviously the the gems can be cracked there because they're designed to expel their stormlight and then be replaced as the as the plate uses up the stormlight in the gems. Um, however, it's very strange that in just this one afternoon, eight of them were not just running low on stormlight, but eight of them had cracked and broken. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you can run a gem down and it doesn't break when it goes done. Otherwise, Kaladin would be carrying around pockets of glass shards all the time. <laughs> um, but uh, if you recall in the prologue, Seth, uh, when he drops Gavilar out off the balcony, when he climbs down after him, he opens up Gavilar's chest plate and like two of Gavilar's gems are cracked and dull, but like the other uh, the other ones are still lit. And so Seth slurps up that stormlight to heal himself. So so yeah. we've we've seen gems get cracked in combat before, mm-hmm. but even Seth beating the <laughs> out of Gavilar <laughs> cracked like fewer than half of the gems. Mm-hmm. And Elokar having three minutes of combat with a chasm fiend in which he really didn't do anything somehow lost eight of his 10 gems. Yeah. So that was a very long explanation of there's more suspicion that happened that day than we knew. Mm-hmm. And Sadius clears Dalinar's. Yes. Name. To the surprise of everyone. Actually, Aelin actually breaks the silence and goes, what? <laughs> um what happened what happened (laughs) um i actually thought for a minute because i kept expecting everything to go pear-shaped i thought that sadius was going to accuse adolin of doing it to like get closer in line to the throne or something like that like i was fully prepared Mm -hmm. for sadius to be like oh dalinar no, I'm not going to accuse you. I'm going to hurt you deeper and and like set your son up and like really take revenge for whatever. And Dalinar is just like he 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 didn't do anything. <laughs> like and not only that. Not only did he say it probably wasn't Dalinar. He goes one step further to be like someone did this to deliberately cast doubt on Dalinar Mm -hmm. so like not only has he said Dalinar's not in the wrong 
But Dalinar and the king have both been wronged by this action. Yeah. And Dalinar's like, "Ah, I was right. Like, the visions told me to trust Sadius. I was right? And (laughs) Adolin is like, what? Uh, does not. Hey, hey, Emily. Yes. Do you know who? Do you know who Adolin reminds me of? Captain America. Nope. Oh, who? <laughs> it's Kyle. Oh, puppy dog Kyle from Roswell. Yeah. Yes. Um, mostly with that bad luck with women. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, his dad's basically camp sheriff. Yeah, it's true. Ugh. So, um, so he and, so Dalinar and Sadius kind of have a heart to heart about, like, Sadius is just like, I think the way of kings is utter bunk. I think it's stupid. I think it's basically every man for himself. He's like, I just, he's like, if you had wanted to kill the king, you would have literally just burned his eyes out and been done with it. Like, he's like, that's not your style. (laughs) Yep. If you, if you wanted to kill him. You absolutely could at any time you wanted. <laughs> and so Delinar is still just so shocked. And I think he's shocked that he he loses his filter and just basically blurts out, Ally with me. Ally with me? What is it? Ally with me. Ally with you me. You were very close <laughs> twice. <laughs> and Sadius is just like, like he freezes. And I just find this so interesting because in the beginning of the chapter, they talked about how like, High princes do not, like, do alliances with one another. It is just not done. But you have arguably the two strongest high princes, like, creating an alliance. And the rest of them Mm -hmm. have to fall in with each other. And Dalinar's, like, laying all, he's like, he's like, you know I'm never going to betray you. You trust me. And he lays out this idea that they will jointly assault the plateaus together. Something that Dalinar has not been interested in the slightest. But Mm -hmm. he's just like, hey, if we do this together, he's like really sweetening the pot. He's like, we we go to the plateaus together. We fight together. I send my men. Like, you have your bridges. I have mine. Like, we can make this work even though we have two very different styles. And he's like, if we get a gem heart, you get two thirds of it. You know, all of these things. And he says, and he's like, we can kill more Parsheni together. He kind of coaches it in those terms. And he says, if we get a shard blade, you get that. He says, but if we get shard plate, I get it for my son. And Sadius is like, the cripple? Oh, the invalid? And Delinar's like, why do you care? Like, who do you care who I give it to? He promises Sadius a blade, which Sadius wants more than anything. Anything. He wants it so bad. Dalinar lays out all the reasons why it's perfect. And Sadius goes, okay, send me the deets. And that's it. Like, they've 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 signed the contract. <laughs> all of a sudden, this thing that was impossible is happening. It's happening. Emily, he did it. Dalinar got a high prince to ally with him yeah and since everything's a competition with the alethi and so earlier in this chapter you mentioned that they're like no no no, it's like we're each like our own you know king we keep each other at arm's length do you think with dalinar and sadius aligning that this will either create 
uh, new partnerships among the other high princes, or do you think it will convince more high princes to oh, join Kadalan or Sadius? My immediate thought is like, of course, everyone's going to come and join themselves with Sadius and Dalinar. But I didn't even think about them creating their own alliances outside to kind of like make up for the fact that they're not as powerful by themselves. Oh, I didn't even think about that, Megan. I would think the pettier ones would join themselves together, but that they would not be, like, none of them have the sort of trust or history that the others, that Sadius and Dalinar have with each other. And so I would assume, I here's my, here's my guess is that some of the smaller ones are going to join together, but fight and squabble the whole time. And the smarter ones will align with Sadius and Dalinar. But I don't know how they're going to split everything that way if more and more people join together. So I'm going to give Sadius and Dalinar a minute to, like, have their thing before I start right. assigning other people to their to their group. Uh, but Emily, Dalinar's visions were, were right. They told him to trust Sadius, and it, it seems like it's paid off. What... What do you think about Dalinar buddying up with, like, what do you think about this new business venture? <laughs> because I, I hate it, first of all. Um, I'm happy Here. that Dalinar got what he wanted, which was to, you know, start joining them together. And he has great reason to do it. I just want to know who's sending him these visions and why they think Sadius is going to be someone that Dalinar should align himself with. Huh. Like, well, yeah, yeah, that's all. I, I guess Dalinar's, Dalinar's quest to unite them is got some momentum now. <laughs> all right. One last chapter tonight, an emerald brome. Emerald brome. This is another Kaladin chapter. And we learn some really, really cool stuff. There's a lot of world building in this without it being okay. too info dumpy. I really, I really liked this one. Um, but the, um, what's it called? What's the, what's the little... Oh, the epigraph? Thank you, yes. The epigraph says, A woman sits and scratches out her own eyes, daughter of kings and winds, the vandal. Dated Pala Heaven, 1173, 73 seconds pre-death. Subject, a beggar of some renown, known for his elegant songs. I have a new, I have a new guess. Okay. This section is naming all the main players for the apocalypse. Okay. Like, if you guys have listened to okay. the McElroy brothers, there's a prophecy at one point in uh, the Adventure Zone oh, balance. Now there's a prophecy. Yeah, where it's like, there's the twins, the lover, the lonely journalist that and it like names all these all these people who are the main like players on the field and so that would be my guess the vandal who's the vandal daughter of kings and wins the vandal i think that might be okay i'm gonna go out on a limb here megan don't make fun uh -huh. of me i think this is shallan okay because she is seeing things that are making her crazy and uh I don't know if metaphorically she's going to scratch her own eyes out so she doesn't have to see it or mm -hmm. if this is like literally this is going to happen. We seen anybody do any vandalizing in this book so far? Well, she stole stuff. That's true. That's true. 
I don't know. Did we? Did I forget? Was there a vandalized chapter that I just can't remember? Should I confirm or deny or should we just keep going? Confirm or deny? Confirm. And I can't remember it? (laughs) Uh, Do you want... Do you want... Listen, I don't... I will admit I do not know for sure whom this is in reference to. Okay. But for me, a vandal... The mysterious woman who hates art. Who hates art? Oh, that's right. I I didn't forget about her, but I forgot about her. <laughs> well, yeah, because all her vandalizing was in the other room. But anyway, uh, but there's actually a third character that you haven't really met yet that I also think might have some ties to this. All right. I'm excited to get into I it. Know. So we're seeing from the Bridgman's perspective the first day that Dalinar and Sadius are working together. Yeah, and no one has told these guys anything. And so they're very surprised because Sadius's army has made it to the plateau first, which means they don't have to, the Bridgman don't have to worry about getting shot at by the Parshendi. And they're watching everything unfold. Kaladin, again, is watching all of this and is getting worried because Sadius is letting his men get surrounded as they're hacking at this chrysalis. And then Dalinar's team shows up and two shard plate wearers jump across the chasm and kind of come to the rescue. And everyone's kind of like, this is weird. This is weird that this is happening, right? Like, this just isn't done. But to see two princes cooperating is not something you see every day. I want to I wanna read a little chunk to you. Okay. Dalinar Colin, Moash said. They say he's a true light eyes, like the men from the old days. A man of honor and oaths. Kaladin snorted. I've seen plenty of light eyes with that same reputation, and I've been disappointed by them every time. I'll tell you about Bright Lord Amaram sometime. Oh, yeah. Amaram? Scar asked. The shard bearer? You've heard of that? Kaladin asked. Sure, Scar said. He's supposed to be on his way here. <gasps> Everyone's talking about it in the taverns. Oh, no. Were you with him when he won his shards? <gasps> no, Kaladin said softly. Nobody was. Uh, <laughs> subtext. Subtext. <sighs> hey, uh, Emily. When do you think Amaram's going to get here? Better be soon, because I want Kaladin to punch him in the face and claim his blade back. <laughs> okay. Uh, How anyway. can he do that, though? Okay, okay, okay. He won it fair and square. So does he have to kill or just defeat Amaram? I want Amaram to be humiliated. We haven't found out... Uh, we haven't found out what it takes to claim a shard blade yet. All we know is when someone dies, the tie is automatically severed. Um, you are going to find out more. Okay. I promise. Thank you. I just, ugh, so mad about it. St- oh, I'm so angry <sighs> about it still. Anyways. Uh, he has, Kaladin has some positive thoughts about Adolin, Dalinar's son. Oh, that's right. Uh, who yeah. seemed genuinely selfless in his defense of the woman, but Kaladin set his jaw, casting aside those thoughts. He would not be taken in again. He would not. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, it was a it was a good day. Oh, sorry, Hugo. I Kaladin, I think at this point, is like, you're guilty until proven innocent, but even then, no. 
<laughs> you know. <laughs> but yeah, a good day. Uh, there was very, like, basically the bridgemen went out and came back so fast that they, they're supposed to get the day off when they do a bridge run. But because it was so fast, uh, the boss in charge sends them to do chasm duty because it was so fast. Just so mean. But then they find money. They find a lot of money. Yep. They find an emerald brome, which is not the most valuable, but it's like something that the Bridgemen no, themselves. It is. Oh, it is. I thought a sapphire was the most valuable. No, emerald is the most valuable because of its use in soul casting. That's right. And not only is it an emerald, it is an emerald brome, which is the largest denomination. They basically just found a million dollar bill. Yeah. Okay, a thousand dollar bill. Which they can't keep. Nope. Which I was confused for a minute because I was just like, but they can go and loot the bodies on the planes, but I guess anything that's found in the chasm... They have to report it and like turn it over. And like they're they're trying to figure out like Kaladin first of all knows they can't keep this. But that doesn't stop the men from trying to be like, well, what if we did this? Or what if we did this? And was it Moash? He's like, I will swallow it. And Kaladin's like, you know you're not the first person to think of that, right? You know that, right? <laughs> um sidebar i love the if you're thinking about what it's like to be in bridge four but not be in kaladin's head so like earlier that day he's like oh yeah i have a really interesting story about amaram and then he doesn't say anything else and now here he's like it's only a sphere i once held a goblet full of a hundred diamond bromes and was told they were mine still i never got to spend them Good is worthless. And Moash is like, are you kidding? How? <laughs> you got to stay mysterious so... to keep your street value. <laughs> That's why his spren is so big. It's full of secrets. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> They're they're going about and they're they're um, looting the bodies and trying to figure out what to do next. And Sigzil, um, it's been found out that he's they he's over and over. He's like, I'm a doctor, not a this. But he's like, I'm not a storyteller. I'm a like a something more like formal. And I am not a foolish jester. Yeah, yeah. And so he knows a and, lot. Uh... Go ahead. I was just going to say, what uh, what sh- what city is he talking about? He is talking, I think it's an Emuli em- city. It's called Sesimalex mm-hmm. Dar. Two words. Sesimalex Dar. Sesimalex? Uh, I don't know how you say it. No, no, no. I, I, I think you're right. Uh, hey, Emily. Jumping back to the feast... I've heard of Sesimalix Dar, Dalinar said, rubbing his chin. The city is quite spectacular, filling rifts cut into the stone. Oh, yeah. Indeed, Anak said. There's a particular composition of the stone there that lets the water drain. The design is amazing. It's obviously one of the Dawn cities. Oh, yeah, we forgot to talk about the Dawn cities. But yeah, Sigzel, like, uh, this is this is something that Kaladin saw in his 
flyover when he uh, had this dream about riding the storm and he saw this city. And now um, Sigzel can confirm that that's a real place. And I'm finding an interesting parallel to when Dalinar just asked some people at the feast, have you heard of Feverstone Keep, which is the place he saw in his visions. Mm-hmm. But they hadn't. They hadn't heard of it. They hadn't. But we're having some uh, parallel characters. Yep. Very cool. Syl comes back and tells them that she found more bodies to loot. They're Parshendi bodies, which doesn't happen very mm-hmm. often. This is kind of a new a new thing. Mm-hmm. And we find out as they, they go to, to loot those bodies that their newest bridgeman, Shen, gets very upset when the men start looting the Parshendi bodies. Very upset to the fact that to the point where he has to be held back. And if we remember, Shen is a Parshman. And we start learning more about their culture. It says, he's per- he's protective of the Parshendi bodies, Gancho, Lopin added, like he'd stab you a hundred times for moving one. And Sigzil says they're all like that. They're uh, Parshman workers. They're allowed to care for their own dead. It's one of the few things they seem passionate about. They grow irate if anyone else handles the bodies. They wrap them in linen and carry them out into the wilderness and leave them on slabs of stone. And so, because a lot of people think the Parshmen are just these robots is the definitely the wrong word, but these soulless automatons that you can just like point in a direction and like tell them to go do whatever. But this is kind of like Kaladin's first inkling that he, that there's culture there. But they still do search the Parshendi bodies because Kaladin in particular is looking for a bow. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to, he's trying to suss out if any of the other bridgemen can use a bow. And they have an idea of how to keep the spheres. Emily, what is Kaladin's plan? They're going to basically tie a bag of spears to an arrow and shoot an arrow up at the lip of the chasm. And during a bridge run, They'll just have someone go pick it up and bring mm-hmm. it back. So they're specifically, yeah, they're specifically shooting it at one of the permanent bridges up mm-hmm. above them. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's kind of like, everyone has an opinion on this. Everyone of like, wow, that's brilliant to that will never work. <laughs> uh, Moash is like, we could keep the Emerald Sphere. We could. Yeah. And Kaladin's like, <laughs> no, man. We're... Where would we spend it? <laughs> yeah, there's nowhere. Because he's already trying to figure out. He's already he's already realizing they're going to have to go to a bunch of different apothecaries to spend these extra spheres so that people don't get suspicious. Because Bridgman do not have a lot of funds. And so mm-hmm. Kaladin is, is already like three steps ahead. And I love it. And as they're debating back and forth, Rock is like, oh, we should only take five spheres any more would be too heavy and that sort of pings kaladin's radar and he realizes rock knows about bow and arrows Mm -hmm. and he he basically bothers him into taking the shot (laughs) um but but rock says to kaladin i will not use bow to fight you must know this thing yeah and kaladin says i promise i'll take you if you agree but i won't force you Mm-hmm. I will not fight, Rock said, is not my place. He glanced up at the spheres and smiled faintly. 
but shooting bridge is all right. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really liked that. Because with the, the Bridgman, the culture before was you don't even know other people's names. And now at this point, everybody knows everybody's names. You know a little bit about each other, but still you don't know everything. And I, I really like that because that gives you enough time to keep learning about the different, the different Bridgman. Also, I lied. My heart is not locked for Rock. If he dies, I'm going to flip a table. Okay. I love him. That's nice. It's good to have things you love (laughs) and care about and would do anything for. Hold on to them. Love them. Don't let them go. Uh. (laughs) Emily, I love all my Bridgman equally. Earlier that day, I don't care Dunny died. I'm trying to find they they talk about um the shin at one point and it was very sad and I wanted to talk about it because it has to do with Seth. Who is your top favorite? Who's my top favorite? Dang it, where is it? I wrote it was my one my one note about this. My one note about this chapter. Oh, okay. Uh Sigzil's talking about the culture of of the emuli and everything and he's talking about to them the need to strike a man personally is crass they wage war in the opposite way from you alethi the sword is not a weapon for a leader so uh you know they're talking about all these things it says uh in some countries it is seen as displeasing to fight at all to the shin for instance if you must fight a man you have already failed killing is at best a brutish way of solving problems so where on earth did seth my boyfriend a shin learn how to fight like a madman uh wow i don't know i guess we might need some more details as to what exactly being truthless means yes like is that he's untruthful to his culture to his clan to his country like oh man i don't know no you do know i guess we'll just have to wait for the next set of interludes to see what how long is that? I can't Seth even. Is... I can't even look in the book because what if I get spoiled? Will you look for uh, me? Will you I... look it up for me right now, please? Yeah. Okay. Oh no! No! Emily. No! What? There aren't any interludes no! between parts four and five. No! You don't. <laughs> I quit. No more interludes. I'm sorry. I'm jump into book two. <laughs> Did you just say you're going to jump in a volcano? No, I'm going <laughs> to... I couldn't hear what you said. I'm going to jump into book two. Uh, okay, sorry. One more time without the extra laughter. <laughs> I'm going to jump into book two. Oh, please don't. You'll miss one of my favorite Brandalanches. <laughs> okay, I won't. Um, okay. Can you read me the interlude, though, early as a There as aren't a present? interludes. There aren't any more interludes in this book. I know. Go get the second book and read me the next one. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Dang it. Okay. Brandon. Hey. Why? Emily, yes, next, week's, next week's assignment is going to be a little chunkier than normal okay 
uh, because I'm trying to pace out the rest of the book to have very specific things happen per episode of our podcast. Okay. So we are going to read four chapters next time. Okay. 56 through 60 then? Uh, no, 56 through uh, 59. So six, seven, eight, nine. That's four chapters. Oh. Stop at 60. Okay. So we are going to read 56, That Storming Book. Dalinar's. <laughs> 57, Wander sail. Ooh, maybe a Kaladin. Uh, maybe a Hoyt. Do we get a Hoyt POV? 58. The Journey. I'm going to say Kaladin. And 59, An Honor. An Honor. And now, Emily, we, we do not have a Hoyt POV in part four. Um, but do you remember who the part four POV characters are? Dalinar, Gaz. Adolin no. and Cat. What? No. It's Dalinar, Kaladin, Adolin, and Navani. Oh yes. And I'm just gonna slightly lower your expectations. Navani is not POV in this next chunk of chapters, okay. but there will be Navani POV coming down the line, and I hope that will soothe the Seth-shaped hole it will not. in your heart. It will not. Okay. <laughs> I didn't say fix. I just said. <laughs> Soon. Is she Shin? Is she going to tell me what being truthless means? Who knows? Uh. She seems very learned. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, uh, what do you think Shalon's doing in jail right now? I think she's scratching her own eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. I think, I think, I think, I think um, she's trying to tell people about these creatures that she's seen and they don't believe her and think she's touched in the head. And I think she is going to learn how to use uh, the, the Fabriel without using the Fabriel. Without using the Soulcaster. I think she has innate Soulcasting abilities. Okay. That's, cool. That's my guess. Um, What do you think is directly next for Dalinar, Adolin, and Sadius. Um, I think I'm trying to think like logically, story plot wise, what a good thing to happen would be. Um, I think Adolin is super suspicious of Sadius and is going to try and prove that Sadius wants to undermine Dalinar and is gonna get in a bunch of trouble that way because I think Sadius, for as much as I dislike him he's i think he's an honorable person um and i think adolin's gonna get in a lot of trouble by insinuating that sadius is a bad dude i never get what i want by the way you can't always get what you want (laughs) i want sadius to have to run a bridge run and I want Gaz to get pushed off a cliff. And I, did I get any of those things? No, I have not gotten them yet. Huh. Well, uh, what are Kaladin and the Bridgman going to do with their new sphere hustle? Uh, Kaladin's not going to have any qualms about helping out more people in the bridges. And someone's going to tattle and everything's going to go terribly. No one in Bridge 4 is going to tattle. Some... Someone in another bridge crew who doesn't have their loyalty is going to make bad things happen. 
Yeah. Well, that's that's it for this week. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to The Way of Kings. Uh, catch us on the flip side, but uh, I got to get back to writing a season outline. I got to get back to writing my book. <gasps> I believe in you. I believe in you. Ready, Ready break. break. wonderful episode that we've had special thanks goes out to michael b and cardi for the use of his song a passing storm in our intro and outro a reminder that if you want to get in touch with us although we don't post a lot we do see things a lot on our social media so you can reach out to us at sis made me view it on instagram or twitter uh let us know how you like the show maybe give us a five star on spotify or give us one of those cool apple podcast reviews we would sure appreciate it i think that's all i have to say i am quickly recording this at 10 p.m so emily can get the episode edited and up emily you're amazing you're the best co-host and editor a podcaster could ask for and to all of you i hope you have a wonderful thursday bye